you've just seen the level of interest has been social proof at the open home in order to buy it you'd have to be closer to the top so i think as a buyer straight away you end up getting maybe disadvantaged when you make an offer welcome to the property chat podcast where your hosts matt Brugia and lachlan mcdonald talk all things real estate hi guys welcome back to property chat with Lockie and matt so we're still here at real hub we're actually waiting on our pizzas they shouldn't be too far off uh Lockie, today we wanted to talk about making offers and some of the things you can do as a buyer to really put yourself in a great position moving forward with properties when making an offer so some of the considerations like we talked about off air um, would be or actually even in our last episode whether it would be conditional or an unconditional offer yeah. and some of the other things to consider so um, why don't you start us off with some of the things that a buyer can do to put themselves in a position of power when making an offer yeah well, i think one of the key things that buyers do and it's understandable is they get overexcited and they make an offer before they're ready and it's almost like a wasted offer you know, they, the best offer is one where you are absolutely in a position to execute that offer. And that's what you need to think about. Am I in a position, if this agent turns around and says, yes, can I execute? Because if you can give the agent the impression that you're ready to move forward straight away, and, and we don't mean saying things like we're sort of saying off air about being cash buyer, for example. Yeah. It, it's an old an old thing, I guess, and it was important, you know, um, back in the day. Yeah. But these days... The bank's money is just as good as your cash. What is really important to a seller is are you in a position to move forward right now and is it on my terms mm. too? And I think that's something which is has to be considered by a buyer is what does the seller, and you were saying this earlier off air, what does the seller actually want? What's their main motivation? It's not always money. Mm. You know, it can be settlement terms. Even. But it's okay to ask the agent those questions. Like how many 100%. times a buyer comes to me and they, you know, they feel like it might be a bit intrusive to ask why the seller is selling. But you know what? It's not so much being the fact that that will be how you position your offer to maybe try and buy it at a cheaper price. But it might be something that where you might have a shortfall in terms of what you can offer price-wise, you might be able to make up for in giving a delayed settlement. So, you know, I know I've had many cases where it hasn't really come down to price within five to $10,000. It's come back down to the vendor can live there for three months yeah. or six months. And say, that's a question you can ask. What's most important to the seller? You know, is it, you know, the fact that they want to have flexibility of settlement date. Mm. Is it the price? Is that the absolute key thing? Or perhaps is it, you know, the fact that they're moving overseas and they want to sell it with the furnishings? You know, things like that. And, and a lot of buyers might say, hey, I don't want the property furnished. I'm not interested. But if you really nut out and find out that that was a key thing for the vendor, you know, that might be something which you can, you're can you yeah. willing to bear to get the property at the right price. That's right. Because my opinion's always been an offer that can't be executed is just a question, not mm. an offer. Would the vendor accept? Yeah, probably, maybe. If you're ready to go, they might look at it. My advice to a lot of buyers though as well is making sure that you really study the campaign because I think that's so important. Depending on where you've come into that property with that campaign ultimately determines where your offer should be price-wise. So, for example, if you know it's a property that's been on the market for 120 or 300 days, whatever it may be, a really long period of time, and you know that for your marketplace that's abnormal, predominantly that comes back down to either the property or the price. If you've inspected the property and you feel that that works and you've done your research on it and it ticks the boxes, getting the price right is important. But making sure that that's probably the time that you can get away with making an offer that might be a little bit below where their asking price is because it's probably more in line with the market. doesn't mean they're necessarily going to take it, but it means that you've got a chance to go in a little bit lower. I think the issue that we often see is, you know, you'll have a listing that's one week into its campaign. You've had 10 to 15 groups through the open home and it might have a guide of 1 to 1.1 and, you know, 
buyers are trying to get in, see if they can buy it below one. And you think, well, you've just seen the level of interest has been social proof at the open home. In order to buy it, you'd have to be closer to the top. So I think as a buyer straight away, you end up getting maybe disadvantaged when you make an offer that probably isn't even close to where you need to be mm. because straight away the vendor sort of discounts it as they're probably not serious or they're not quite where we need them to be. Yeah, I think that's really important. Read the play. Yeah. You know, figure out what that campaign is, like where that campaign is, where it sits in the spectrum um, and really adjust your offer based on that. Definitely really, really important. Yeah. And what are some of the other things that you do if you're a buyer? So let's say you're looking at a property and you want to make a, a very serious offer. How do you go about presenting it to the agent? I think there's a couple of things to consider. So it's, as you said, reading the play, understanding what the campaign is. If, it, if it's for sale and auction, how I would go about that are probably slightly different and depending on who I am as a buyer. If it's auction, for me, that would be, if I didn't want to be there bidding on the day, if I thought that I didn't want to run the risk of losing the property because there's going to be competitive tension on the day or maybe it's something I'm not comfortable with, then I would make sure I did everything I could to put myself in a position to put an unconditional offer in front of that vendor. So like we talked about in the last podcast, putting an offer on a signed contract, 66W, 10% deposit and being able to say to the agent, what figure does it need to be to stop the auction? Because mm. you ask an agent the question of that, if they're a good agent who's run the campaign properly and who has communicated with their vendor, they should be able to answer that for you. You know, it might not happen week one, but maybe week two and three, they might know what it would take to sell the property prior to auction. Yeah. So that would be how I would probably handle that. Auction, different story. It's not necessarily making an offer. It's about, you know, I suppose being a part of the campaign the whole way through with the agent so that when you're there on auction day, mm. you know what you're comfortable to bid to, you know where you need to be price-wise in order to secure it, but naturally that'll just progress how it's going to progress the well, market. Well, just, just on that and the, the pre-auction offer side of things, I yep. think the key thing there is enticing the seller to the table yeah and and countless times as an auctioneer i've seen a situation where you would have and one particular example to give a bit of a story um an agent had an offer um prior to auction again it's a few years back so the, the figures elude me but it was a very very good offer yeah. and they had or they were expecting about 20 registered groups to this property it was a you know a deceased estate it was going to be very hotly contested but the sellers the beneficiaries were so enticed by that offer that they wanted to go with it and the agent was telling them no they didn't want them to take it they thought there was going to be and rightly so be a better result at the at the auction but that buyer had made such a compelling offer that the vendor was almost overriding the advice yeah. given to them and that is a real possibility in the end we managed to talk that vendor around the property went to auction it sold for considerably higher way above but that buyer was so close to being yeah. able to secure that property I'm talking like three, four hundred under what it ended up selling for. Three, yep. four hundred thousand. Like that is huge. Yeah, it's massive. So if you can entice a seller to the table with a good offer pre-auction, you could, even though it might seem like a high offer at the time, end up securing it for a lot less than what it would have gone for at auction. Yeah, exactly. And then I think, you know, for the, the for sale method or, you know, obviously the other side of that might be more so for me, again, reading the play and knowing, okay, if it's something that's had a guide price within 10%, What's it, how long has it been on the market? What are the interest levels been like at the open homes? Because, you know, if I'm a buyer, I'm attending every single inspection just to make sure that the social proof that the agent's telling me is there is actually there. And if it's one that you think, you know what, you really don't want to miss out on it, making sure that you, you know, you might want to put your feelers out. I know a lot of people like to start at the bottom of a price guide and, and put an offer in to sort of see what's there. I often think that the buyers who come in somewhere in the middle 
as a starting point just to try and put that out to the agent. It shows the vendor that you're, you're trying to negotiate in really good faith and mm. it generally, in my experience, has been looked upon favourably and then it allows the vendor to want to come back to the table. So I think that's a good way to do it. Well, I often ask people, have they sold a car recently? Like if you've put a car on car sales and you've gotten tens of ten, like so many texts from people, will you take this? Will you take what's this? What's your last offer? Yeah, yeah. What's your bottom price? Way below what you're asking. Yeah. Your immediate reaction to that person is just get lost. I'm not yeah. interested. Yeah. And whether or not they would have come up to what you would have paid is irrelevant because they've put you on a bad, they've got a bad taste in your mouth from the very get-go. So I think you're yeah. dead right. If you can come in in the middle, it's that sweet spot between not overshooting but also don't insult the vendor. Yeah. You know, Respect that it is a, a big asset. Respect that they have taken the time to price it a prop- properly because what you're essentially saying when you come in with a low ball offer is I think you got it wrong. Mm. I, think you d- I think your home's not worth what you think it's worth. Yeah. And that's going to insult anyone. You know, so be careful, yeah. yeah. That, that middle ground is perfection. But I think as well putting an offer on a contract, we talked about that earlier, that putting an offer on a contract, on a signed contract, how powerful that is for an unconditional sale. It's also pretty important for a conditional sale. You know, a lot of times it's a, it's a verbal back and forth, something that goes in writing to the agent. If I'm an owner and I get a signed contract, even if it has a cooling off period, it, it, that's besides the point. I can see it. It's tangible. It's in front of me. I'm able to look at it and go, well, you know what? All I do is countersign this and my home's sold. Mm. It's in a cooling off period. You know, I think that's pretty important. So I think as a buyer, even if you do have to enter into a cooling off period, that's still a really powerful thing that you can do. Obviously, you want to work with your agent to figure out the components that you need and how to get the contract filled out. But putting in you know, what might be your best and final offer. Because I think sometimes buyers feel they need to get stuck into the back and forth and, you know, they'll want to make an offer, they'll want a counter offer. Sometimes that probably ends up putting you in a worse space as a buyer. You're better off knowing what your limitations were, putting that on a contract and saying, this is my best and final offer and what I'm prepared to pay. Well, you say that about sort of, you know, going into a bit of a back and forth. And I think if we look at, say, compare the Australian real estate method with, say, the US um, where there's a buyer's representative and a seller's representative. We talked with Simon Cohen the other week about buyer's agents, but that's a minority here in this in this mm. country of people being represented by buyer's agents still. It may change, but at this point, predominantly the agent is dealing as the intermediary between the vendor and the buyer. So you need to understand as a, as a buyer that you need to, I guess, the agent needs to be on your side somewhat. Yeah. You know, they're, they're not your enemy. They're, they need to actually, in, in fact, what it's called in, in, in Canada and, and the US, they call it a, like a limited dual agency where uh, an agent has to actually sign that they won't reveal the vendor's bottom price, nor will they reveal the buyer's top price mm. it's a very it's, it's very rare that a, a an agent will represent both so in this country an agent sort of has to do the same thing all yeah. the time they have to sort of run tread this fine line between representing the vendor but also trying to help the buyer buy so if as a buyer you respect that and, and appreciate that the agent's not your enemy they do work for the seller but they're there to get a deal done and if you be reasonable with them and you uh, i guess communicate with them. Now, that's a really big yeah, thing. Communicate yeah, with them well, they'll help you. And if you've got the agent on your side, that goes a long way to being able to get your offer across the line yeah. too. They'll give you all the guidance you need and you know they'll be able to tell you, look, love to help you buy the home, but this is where you're going to need to be. And I think for a lot of people, especially buyers, one of the biggest thing that they feel we lack in this industry is transparency. But there has been such a huge push over the last few years for transparency amongst you know agents in the industry. So I think getting the right agent and as a buyer being clear yourself, then you can expect that return from the right agent. 
which is important. So guys, thanks again for tuning in. We hope that's given you some insight on how to best place an offer on a property. If we can help you any further, as always, reach out to Lockie or myself, but otherwise stay tuned, like and subscribe to stay up to date with the rest.